Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the December 29th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, this show is brought to you by the Security Federal Bank. They have 17 locations between Augusta, Georgia, and Columbia, South Carolina, and they are interested in serving you. If you are interested in building a new banking relationship, uh, if you'd like to see if you can find a bank with a more personal touch, please go see our friends at Security Federal because that is one of the best ways to support local matters. Also, of course, the very best way to support local matters is to listen to our show and to tell everyone about us. The show is brought to you by my consulting firm, and that is Janice. Alan Jackson and Associates. You can find any previous episode of Local Matters there at the Local Matters tab at JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. And yes, here we are. It is the very last Wednesday of the year. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. Um, and we wish you a wonderful holiday season and a happy 2022. Also, we are reminding you of the Grow with Google seminar that takes place on tomorrow, December 30th. Uh, last week's show, I had Miss Kimberly Hayes from the Augusta Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta talk about that. And it's not too late to join in. Uh, on that seminar related to growing with Google and building your digital skills. Next week, my guests will be from two organizations that have come together to put on a couple of programs related to improving your health. Uh, we'll hear from them next week. We're going to talk about mental health as well as heart health. Uh, that'll be a great opportunity to learn how you can become more engaged by helping yourself and taking advantage of opportunities in our community. However, today I have a great special guest with me, and that is State Senator Harold Jones. You know, on Local Matters, I think all of my guests are special, and today is no exception. I have State Senator Harold Jones. He represents me and many of you in Senate District 22. Uh, and he is going to talk to us about the redistricting process. Um, as we have known, if you've been following the news at all this year, you know that there has been a lot of activity around that subject. A few months ago, I had Dr. Charles Bullock, who is a professor at the University of Georgia, come on and just talk generally about what redistricting is. And this time I have Senator Jones to tell us more about what's happening in our local area and in the state of Georgia with respect to this very important topic. Uh, we're going to delve into that, but before we do, we are going to follow our local matters tradition, and that is to have our guest tell us a little bit about himself um, and how it is that he is our state senator. How are you doing today, Senator Jones? I'm doing well. Nice to be here. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Glad yes. to have you. Yes. Go right ahead. Tell us about, I know a little bit about you. You know, I think you graduated from a school called Glen Hills, but <laughs> That's you right. can kind of take it from there. That's exactly right. So I graduated from Glen Hills and um, 
you know, when I graduated there, I went to South Carolina State University. It was South Carolina State College back in those days. And then I went to North Carolina Central University for law school. But one of the things I wanted to do was always run for office. I always knew that I wanted to kind of run for office when I was in fifth grade and the teacher went around and asked people what they wanted to do. And they said firemen and policemen and all that. I didn't really know what a politician was. So I said historian. So I knew at some point, I knew I was kind of into that space. And so when I came back home, I, I got, um, I came back and I got hired at the solicitor's office. I was the first African-American ever hired at the solicitor's office as a prosecutor. And that I believe was like in 97. And so I was the first one to do that. And I really enjoyed prosecution. And then I ran for that particular position in, in four, 2004. So naturally I was the first African-American ever elected to did that and then decided, you know, I wanted to run for the Senate, came up short the first time that I did it. And then when it came up open again, said that I wanted to go back because I always wanted to be in the legislature. Um, I really enjoyed prosecution. I probably still would be a prosecutor other than the fact that the Senate seat came open. But, you know, I really enjoyed prosecution, but I really enjoy the Senate even more, quite frankly, even though it's a tough lift sometimes, but it is uh, very enjoyable and I do like it. Okay. All right. Very good. And uh, one of my other traditions on local matters, because I have a number of Divine Nine listeners, I always highlight members of the Divine Nine. So you want to tell me about that too? Yeah, absolutely. So I remember Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And so, yeah, I, I joined in um, 2011, the Augusta Alumni Association. So that's also something I always wanted to do too. So I was able to get that done and uh, I'm always um, definitely letting people know that I'm a member of that. So thank you for uh, bringing that out. So that was a great thing. <laughs> all right. All right. Great. Um, I think I read somewhere and I, I, would, I would probably struggle to find it, but I believe I read somewhere that of all of the Divine Nine organizations, Kappa Alpha Psi has the highest number of elected officials. I think I, I read that somewhere. Well, I'm sure they do, without a doubt. <laughs> I'm sure they do. We come from a condition of achievement, so I'm sure we do without a doubt. All right. That's great. Uh, but there are a few deltas in Congress, too. Just, oh, just yeah. one more minute. Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, um, our topic for today is redistricting. Um, I was following on the local level. Uh, there is a 12-person committee that has representatives from the school board, representatives from the Augusta Commission, and representatives of the local legislative delegation. And I believe you have been one of the members of that committee. So we'll talk about the local level and what's happened there, as well as what's happening on the state level as well. So can you just tell me, I mean, you got a committee. What did y'all really do? Yeah, so we went around the um, the county. We did, I believe, four meetings. We went around the county and heard from what persons wanted to have happen as far as their local lines were concerned. And so I was on that particular um, uh, redistricting committee, the ad hoc committee, along with uh, Representative Mark Newton, Representative Brian Prince, and Representative Wayne Howard. So that was the, the persons that were on it as far as the delegation was concerned. Then they had four members from the, um, you know, the county commission, four members from the Board of Education. And so we did meet those times and we kind of heard from the community what they were looking at as far as um, the lines would be concerned and what their concerns were. So we kind of tried to take those concerns and marry them into our consideration and our legal obligation. The main legal obligation that we have to follow is the Voting Rights Act. That's the key thing. That's the key legal obligation. Now, the committee had certain guidelines that it wanted to follow. We want to keep the lines compact. We want to keep them contiguous. We want to keep as many precincts together. Those were part of our guidelines. 
But the number one legal obligation that any court would look at, you have to follow the Voting Rights Act. And that is where the issue has come in as far as District 3 is concerned. How do you follow the Voting Rights Act and how do you kind of keep communities together? But understand that our constitutional legal obligation is to follow the VRA. Okay. And uh, District 3, you alluded to, mm -hmm. uh, I have seen representatives of uh, Somerville and Forest Hill neighborhoods, primarily uh, what we old Augustans typically refer to as the Hill. Right. Uh, I have seen uh, them appear very distraught about the results of the local redistricting efforts uh, and to the extent that they are threatening to file litigation over this. I mean, I guess first question, if they sue, who are they suing? And second question, why would this be so important to somebody that they would spend the time and the money uh, that litigation would require? Yes, yeah, so I think it'll be suing the county because we've done that before back in 2011. I believe that persons actually sued the county. In fact, that was led by the local delegation, the Democrat Party delegation. So that can happen. I'm not really sure if this presents this, a suit. The key thing to the lawsuit would be whether you're violating the Voting Rights Act. That's the key thing. And so a lot of our communities are going to have what we call split precincts. And I read all the precincts of the neighborhoods to kind of be together. And that is part of our guidelines. But the Voting Rights Act says that you can't move, especially African-Americans. Now we kind of use minorities and persons of color. But in reality, it's African-Americans more so than anyone. You can't move them from one district and pack them into another district. And so what happened was District 3 basically is overpopulated. And so we had to move persons out of District 3. And so it only makes sense with that in that area, the persons they're immediately contiguous to is within District 2. And so some of those persons were moved into District 2, and that's where the complaint was. The other option you had was to move some persons into what we call District 5, the, what, the Bel Air area where a lot of African-Americans are. The issue with that is that you'd be packing what we call packing African-Americans into District 5, and you'd be making like District 5 almost 70% Black. You're diluting the voting strength at that particular point in time. And so therefore, the court would say, look, you can't do that. So even though we want to balance the guidelines with our constitutional requirements, even if we signed off, on, quite frankly, and I would hate and I don't really like neighborhoods to be split up no matter where they are. And it's other neighborhoods that are also split. Even if we were to sign off on it, even the most conservative court would say you can't take this many African-Americans and put them in a district to where now it's almost 70, 75 percent African-American. You diluted the vote. Even the most conservative court would not allow that to take place. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see how that, that unfolds um, uh, because I, like I said, I followed some of the coverage and apparently they attended a number of public hearings and left yes. feeling like nobody's listening to us and, and that sort of thing. Um, I know from there that the Augusta Commission actually approved about two weeks ago, they approved uh, the, the map as it was designed by that committee that was put together. And I think the school board is reviewing it now. They're still reviewing it, that's correct. Uh -huh. that's correct. And what happens once, you know, if we assume the school board does approve, what happens after that? Does it have to go somewhere else or is it just? Yeah, done? it's yeah. going to come to us at that time. It comes to um, legislative delegation or basically up to the state house, the state capitol. And so we can pre present it basically as local legislation if we all sign off on it. And that's going to be the question mark. And I'm not sure where we are going to be on that yet. But if we all sign off, it goes through this local legislation and then therefore pass, 
the governor would sign it in the lines that we have now would then go forward. But you can have a situation where we don't agree necessarily when we go up there. And if we can't come up with alternate lines, whatever they may be, um, which I'm very hesitant to do, but if we can't do that, then quite frankly, what happens, and, it, and Odessa wouldn't be the only locale to do this, what happens then is the end game would be possibly the court then draws the lines. Would you want to stay away from it? That's what would happen then. Okay. And uh, obviously this is the process in Richmond County. Am I correct to assume then that each county in the state of Georgia is undergoing a similar process? Yeah, each county is undergoing a similar process. And, and, and some are having kind of like similar kind of uh, questions that, that are being presented. Uh, for instance, in Gwinnett County, one of the representatives of Gwinnett County who only represents the part of Gwinnett County in our special session, he came in and kind of drew his own map and tried to present that and said, look, when we come back, this is what we may go with if everybody doesn't come to the table. So it's a very political question. Um, you know, it is something that decides, you know, political lines, it decides how things are gonna be distributed, decides who's gonna get representation. So it's important, but we have to make sure that we follow the law and that's the key thing. Okay. And now let's shift gears to the state side. You've yes. actually served on a statewide committee as well. Please uh, tell our listeners how you got that appointment. Right. So what happens is because we were headed into a new term. So you basically ask what basically what your committees you want to be on. And so one of the committees that I put on there was redistricting. And so I was able to get on there. Lieutenant Governor basically approves your committees. And so I got on the redistricting committee. And so we went, met throughout the state and heard from the citizens. But that's how I got on there. Um, and it was also a very tough lift, too. But basically, I just requested to get on there. Okay. And why was it a tough lift? Well, you know, we went around the state, but we didn't really have the numbers. That was the problem. So we go around the state and we hear from people, but everybody's kind of in the dark. It didn't matter where you went. It was like, okay, we want this community to stay together. Or we want this particular area to stay together, but no one had the actual census data to do that. And so when we got it, we thought maybe we might go back around the state to go and say, okay, this is how your community shapes up. You may lose a seat. You may gain a seat in your community. Now kind of tell us what you're thinking. We didn't do that. So even though we went around the state and we heard from the community, everyone was kind of talking in the dark, quite frankly, of what we're going to be doing. And that wasn't really fair to the citizens. And it wasn't fair to us either, because right. we really should have had the numbers. So were there some timelines that you were up against? I mean, how did you all wind up doing that so much in the dark, as you described? Well, the timeline basically is that you have the election coming up in May. And so we know that no matter what, you have the potential of litigation. So it was it, the question was whether you could get these lines drawn, get them done. And of course, you have litigation that may come up. And can you get all that finished before you basically have the elections come up in May? But that's kind of a misnomer, because if you go back and look in 2011 after the census, if you go back and look at even 2002 after the census, we actually our elections were not in May. They were in, if I'm not mistaken, in July and August. Mm -hmm. so we understood that we needed to build more time. For some reason this year, we're saying, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna expand it. We're not gonna move the timeline. We're stuck with this May date. And that then did kind of put us under the gun. But I still think we would have had time um, to go, especially now with Zoom and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Once we got those numbers, we could have went right back to the same communities or added others, especially with Zoom and said, okay, we're gonna do this. And the communities would have liked it. We would have liked it and we could have heard from them and still probably maintained our timeline um, as far as getting the, everything, getting everything finished. Mm 
but we really should have moved the election date. I don't know why, but you can go back and see. And remember now, Republicans controlled in 2002 and in 2010, we did the census. They saw that we needed to move those election dates. They were not in May. Most of the time it is in May. It was not. Why are we refusing to do it this time? Does it make any sense to me? Okay. And my understanding is persons from the Board of Elections around the state have asked to move those dates. Now, it's necessarily too late, but they've actually asked to move those dates and those dates still have not been moved. And who is in control of whether the dates are moved? Well, basically, basically you would say almost like the Secretary of State makes the determination. So it's Secretary of State and also the governor, of course, we could also have input in it. So I guess the, the clear cut answer would be Republicans are basically in control. If they want to move the date, then the date would be would be moved. And, and so at this point in time, it has not been moved. And it's getting point now where it looks like it may not be moved, which yeah. also puts the courts under the gun. Every day is going to matter. Every day, every hour now is going to matter. And so why not just go ahead and move them? That I don't have the answer for. Uh, if the, Could the courts make a decision uh, to move the election if they, let's say they're bombarded with litigation, uh, related to the redrawing of those lines, could they, they say, hey, you know, we need to, to postpone this? They have held, the courts have held like on individual, but it wouldn't necessarily be from a statewide perspective. On an individual basis, you've seen where courts have said, okay, we're going to stay the election. But there was a recent case actually in Texas where the court actually said, we believe there's been, I believe it was Texas, but the court basically said, we believe there's been a violation. We believe there's a violation, but we're still going to let the election go forward. So that's also something that you've seen now. We believe there's a violation. We'll let the election go forward, then do the litigation, and we can come back and fix the lines later. So it almost depends possibly where you're going to be filing your action and things of that nature. How egregious are the lines? That's going to be another question. And each one of those may be individual to the court that you go to and also individual as far as the lines that you're looking at. Okay. And on the state level, the committee that you're on, correct me if I'm wrong, you all looked at the state house districts, mm -hmm. you looked at the state senate districts, correct. as well as the congressional districts, is that right? Also as well as the congressional districts. So we did uh, the house and the senate pretty much at the same time. So the senate did their lines, house did their lines, and then of course once we passed, they, they went over to the other side. And then also we did the um, congressional uh, lines too. Okay. Um, as Georgia is shifting, um, you know, we were way back when, when we were little kids, it was a democratic state. Right. And then it became more of a Republican state. I think uh, in large part, it was driven by a number of factors. One was, you know, folks moving into the state from other areas, you know, some executive moves from New Jersey to Georgia and He's a Republican. We got lots of that kind of migration into Georgia, as well as just how the political parties have redefined themselves. People right, who used exactly. to be Democrats have become Republicans. So we went to a solidly red state. And then um, now we see ourselves more leaning toward purple because you've got two U.S. senators who are now Democrats for the first time in a couple of decades, at least. Right. So, um, and a Republican governor at the same time. And of course, we know we've got a big gubernatorial race coming up. Right. So um, do you foresee that the state legislature could become more purple or do you think things are gonna pretty much stay the same? 
with the lines that are drawn, the anticipation would be in the Senate side, um, we'll probably pick up two seats. Well, we'll have a net of one. So we're at 22 and we'll be at 24, but we really should be at 25. We're actually going to lose a seat. So we really should be at 25. <clears throat> so it looks like we'll pick up two, but we really should be at 25, but we're basically only going to go to 24 if we're, if, if, if we're if things shake out the way they should. On the House side, they'll pick up between seven and nine. Now, there's been nonpartisan persons that have actually drawn lines too. They actually say that we should be anywhere between, on the Senate side, anywhere between 26 seats and 27 if you drew them the way the elections have been going. And also the uh, House should pick up not between seven and nine, but possibly about 11 seats. So with both of those, we're basically um, not reaching our ceiling where, the, where Democrats actually should be just if you drew the lines without quote unquote to gerrymander. Okay. And and let's talk about those numbers. So, you know, in the in the state Senate, so our listeners are aware there are a total of 56. That's seats. correct. Mm-hmm. And um you're saying that you right now only 22 of those 56 are held by Democrats. Right. Okay. That's and correct. So yeah, so it's 22, and then in the House is 103 to 77. So it's a total of 180 in the House, and it's 103 to 77 in the House side. So 103 Republicans, 77 Democrats um, on the House side. And then on the congressional side, it's um, eight to six. They have a total of 14, I believe it's eight to six right now, but that number actually may go down to nine to five. Okay. And the, um, that's interesting. And the, the makeup of the congressional district districts really reflects that purple, eight, six. Is, right, right, right. It reflects yeah. more, but what happened was it was Lucy McBath's seat which I believe is District 6, they've drawn that in a way to where she won't be able to hold it. So she's actually going to go to District 7 and run against, this is what she's announced so far, run against Carolyn Boudreaux, who's also a Democrat. So you've basically, you've lost the seat is what happened. Um, Because even though they didn't draw the two together, uh, the seats become untenable. And we had one that happened like that in the Senate too, where our state senator, young lady who's actually a doctor named Michelle Al, her district got drawn so badly, even though it was a Democratic seat, it got gerrymandered so badly that she's not going to run for that seat. So we're going to lose that one, and but she's going to run for the state house. So hopefully she'll be successful there. So that's the one that we're going to lose, even though we're not losing it at the ballot box as such. We're losing it through the drawing of district lines. Okay. And as we speak to that, are there any major shifts in the Augusta, Augusta metro area? Not, not any major shifts. I know, I believe that Brian Prince is going to pick up more of Jefferson Jefferson County out there, but all of the persons who represent Augusta will still be representing Augusta, and that would be a good thing. We all had to pick up persons, so we basically kept our areas within Augusta and then picked up other areas if necessary. For myself, for instance, I picked up more of District 7. I had to pick up some people, but I picked more of District 7, but I'm still Augusta. So all the other persons who are still in Augusta on the House side, they still have Augusta. They may have picked up areas outside of Augusta. Okay. And when you say you picked up more of District 7, you mean Augusta Commission District 7? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. Absolutely. All right. And do you know offhand, just so our listeners, because I don't know the answer to this question, that's so what I'm asking, um, about what is the racial ba- breakdown of your current Senate district? It's going to be um, 56% African-American is what it looks like it's going to be. And that'll be the black 
uh, what we call the black bat, the voting age population, looks like it'll, it'll end up with being about 56% African-American. Okay. And is there still going to be another state senator that represents some portion? Right. So the other state senator, so we actually had two before, which was uh, Max Burns and also Lee Anderson. Lee Anderson had one precinct, so he just went ahead and took left that one precinct because myself and Max Burns still needed more people. So every little precinct mattered. Mm-hmm. So um, he would no longer be within Augusta. So it would just be myself and Max Burns and I represent Augusta. Okay. And um, other question, approximately how many people do you represent in a state Senate district? Right. I know so like have- one of the goals is to make each district roughly equal in population. That's correct. So the goal is to make each district roughly population. And the, the number was 191,000 people, basically. So that's why when I say I had to pick up persons, um, I had to pick up like 14,000 people. That's not registered voters. That's just regular population. So it's 191,000 voters. And the key thing is not to have a large deviation. And if you look at our um, population deviation, if you look at most of the numbers in the Senate side, you see the population de- deviations are very small, if at all. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about from the commission side. Um, that's on local elect, on local lines, you can actually have a stronger deviation. So some of those deviations would not be at zero, um, but to do some of the things that person wanted to do at district three, the deviations got kind of big and the courts do look at that because they say, well, why do you have such a huge deviation on population? And then you're also moving all of these African-Americans over. So that was another thing that the courts would be looking at. And that's something that you always have to keep in mind. And in every speech that I gave dealing with Senate redistricting or House redistricting, my speech is always focused on the Voting Rights Act and saying, look, we have not properly vetted these lines through the Voting Rights Act. And that's the one thing that the courts pretty much are very stringent upon making sure that we follow. And do you know for House district roughly how big they are? Yeah, so for House District, we're looking at about uh, 56,000 people, I believe, for House Districts, yeah. Okay. All right. And as I think about that, then, and your district is all in Richmond County, right? You I'm lucky. I have all of Richmond County. That's the okay. lucky thing about myself. Most, a lot of people do not have it that way, right. but it's good just to have one county. And Augusta's population with the census, I don't know the exact number, but I think it came out around 205. It's around 205. It's probably about 205. And I believe the the voting age population, well, no, the actual registered voters right now is probably about 126. And that number goes up, which is a good thing. But I think it's probably like 126. Okay. So, and what I was getting to in pure population, if Augusta's 205 and you represent 191, I mean, you really have the vast majority of the residents of Augusta. That's correct. Yeah, I got the vast majority of residents of Augusta. Right. So that means any of us should come to you if we have any issues or state level issues, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Look forward to it. Okay. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with us about the topic of redistricting before we close out? Sure. I I would just like to share that, you know, as far as the local lines were concerned, that we really did try to take in consideration everyone's concerns. But we do have this issue that we have to follow the Voting Rights Act. And you just can't get around that. And you cannot say, well, we're going to skirt that, even if we wanted to. And I think this is the key language, even if we wanted to do that. And all of us said, hey, we're going to pack all these African-Americans into these other districts. The court would not have allowed that to go through. I cannot emphasize that enough. They just would not have allowed it. And you can see that in other decisions where the courts are saying, we're not going to allow you to do this. And it's even happened in Georgia, where 
when the Democrats were trying to keep their power in Georgia, they actually kind of diluted the African-American vote in certain places. And the court said, no, even though you guys are Democrats, even though y'all drew the lines, you cannot dilute the African-American vote. What we try to do is place it in different places to try to increase potential Democratic representation. The court said you can't do that. You cannot dilute the African-American vote like that because of historical discrimination. So it just wouldn't have went through. But, you know, it does go back up to the state house and the state Senate. And if there's anything we can do, we we'll certainly take a look at it. But I want persons to realize we're always limited by the VRA, which is a good thing, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. That was put in place for protection. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, that is very interesting. I guess one of the other things, this is just a basic humor, human nature observation of mine is anytime there is change, there's going to be somebody who is unhappy. I yes. mean, you just, you cannot make all of the people happy all of the time. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Without a and, doubt. And change is here. And so we have to get used to it. Yeah. And, th- and that seems to be what's, what's playing out here. Um, and it's, it's not just Augusta. It's not just Georgia. It's throughout the country because right. some of the same things that you are describing, I think are playing out in the state of North Carolina. I just keep up with what's going on up there a little bit more because I used to live there, but um, there, there are people there that are unhappy about what's happening in the process. And it's just, it's one of those things where you have to do the best you can with what you have. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And we're going to get through it. We'll be one community and we'll get through this and continue to move forward. Okay. All right. And when did, just so our, our listeners know, when does the legislative session begin? January 10th. January 10th. We start back up. It'll be the same day that Georgia wins the national championship game. Okay. All right. <laughs> He's optimistic. Um, <laughs> all right. It has been great having you as a guest on Local Matters. I love giving our listeners. Uh, some background information that they might not get from reading a newspaper article or uh, watching watching the news on television. So I like the fact that you provided a more in-depth explanation. Uh, and as the the uh, legislative session does start, who knows, we might have to bring you back to talk about some of the key issues. In Love fact, if there is some key issue that they is are. coming up, um, please, um, you know, maybe good for you to come in and give us an overview of, of those issues and, and how you see them. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net because local matters.